Now it's time for Inspirational Women and my guest, Keisha Stewart, a wife, a mother of three, a nurse, and a heart attack survivor, an event that happened after the birth of her second child. Keisha is not an anomaly. The statistics for this happening are high for women, particularly Black and Hispanic women. So we are really fortunate to have Keisha write about her experience. Sonata for a Damaged Heart is her book, and to have her join us this morning to share some of her important story. Keisha Stewart, good morning. Thank you so greatly for being with us today. Thank you for having me today, Kate. You know, actually, as I say that, thank you for being with us. It it has even a greater meaning than just the fact that we are connected for a conversation because the reason we're here is to talk about an experience that happened to you in 2011, and you could easily not be here physically with us any longer, right? Uh, that is correct. There were many instances that evening... Um, and which could have gone horribly wrong, and I wouldn't be here with you today. But here you are, thankfully, which uh, I, th- I think you even have philosophized about that, is since that heart event did not take your life, you were spared, there must be a reason for it, and you're now really living out that reason, that purpose, and uh, joining us today to share the story. Yes, um, I feel like it would be a travesty for those who before me didn't have the opportunity for a second chance of life um, if I didn't live my second chance. Uh, So that's why I wrote the book. And that's why I tell my story. And the book, we should just mention right at the outset, and we shall get back to that, Sonata for a Damaged Heart, A Young Mother's Journey of Survival After a Near-Fatal Heart Attack, and which itself is just, you know, bone-chilling. But the fact that you were so young, who would even think of a young woman suffering a heart attack? But, but you went on to find out it's not... Uh, that uncommon. So that would be a good place maybe for us to to begin to share some of that story with us, if you would, Keisha. Sure, sure. So back in October of 2011, um, two weeks after I gave birth to my second child, I had what they call a SCAD, which is a spontaneous coronary artery dissection. So basically, in layman's terms, it means that an artery, a major artery in my heart actually tore and that caused me to have the quote unquote widowmaker heart attack. My artery was completely occluded, meaning blood couldn't travel to certain areas and that's why I had the heart attack. But at the time I was 31, I was a nursing assistant and you know this is my second baby and I didn't know women had heart attacks during or even after pregnancy. I didn't know that that was something to look out for. And when it happened to me, I was in such shock that I didn't know. Uh, That particular evening, I was out at a dinner party with some friends celebrating, uh, you know, being out, number one, (laughs) without baby. (laughs) And, you know, number two, just being able to be around and celebrate the fact that, you know, I just did give birth to my second that whole day, I was feeling quite fatigued, but that's not out of the ordinary for, you know, a new mom. And I kind of just dismissed it. 
And by the time we got to the dinner party, I was feeling a little disoriented, a little lightheaded. But again, I just figured, oh, well, I'm up all hours of the evening. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So maybe that's what it is. And maybe I didn't drink enough water or eat enough. Um, But as the evening continued to progress, I had other symptoms and signs uh, that were making things a little worse. As I was having conversation, I couldn't focus. I got really hot. Hands got clammy. I went to the bathroom, kind of splashed water on my face. When I got back to my friends, I had that um, sharp, sharp pain in my chest. And it felt like my chest was just in a vice, just being crushed. Um, I didn't know what was happening. It was hard for me to breathe. I had that tingling and numbing down the left arm. And then I had pain radiating to the back of my neck and up through my jaw. At that point, I knew something was wrong. I didn't know it was a heart attack at that time, but I knew it was something bad. Um, I don't have a family history of heart attacks or heart disease. Um, I was an athlete majority of my life. I danced for 17 years. I ran track. You know, I didn't have the normal risk factors and I was 31. (laughs) So um, I didn't have those typical risk factors. My husband rushed me to the hospital where I, I was still nauseated and vomiting still breathless. Uh, When I entered the ER, the woman, the receptionist, I told her everything that was happening. First and foremost, I told her I was having chest pain. Um, And she proceeded to ask me more questions. And I told her I was at a dinner party. And she looked at me and she said, oh, it's your first time out since having baby. Oh, it's probably a panic attack or anxiety. You should be fine. And Because I knew my body, I knew myself, I knew how my body reacted to anxiety, I knew that wasn't it. What I was experiencing definitely um, wasn't attributed to that. And it was my second baby, so it's not like... (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) It's not like I didn't know what to expect. Um, But, you know, I insisted that I wanted to be seen and she kind of rolled her eyes and pointed to the ER waiting room area and told me that I could go sit and wait to be called back. So roughly 30 minutes went by before I got called back into triage to be checked out. The EKG was inconclusive. The tech and the nurse that were in there, they didn't know what was happening. I was still vomiting, still breathless, still having the chest pain. And then suddenly an angel, a more senior nurse, walked by the bay that I was in She looked at me for maybe two seconds and said, she's having a heart attack. And then immediately everything clicked. And I was just in such shock. Now I knew what it was. Now I understood what it was. Didn't understand why or what exactly happened. But I, you know, it was a moment in which I had to fight. I had to fight for my life because by the time they recognized the fact that I was having a heart attack, um, it was probably about an hour 
after I first had those first signs and symptoms. Right. And time, we know, is of the essence when it comes to anything dealing with the heart in that way. And here you were made to wait in the waiting room and that sort of thing. I mean, again, it's a miracle, I think, that you are here with us to to talk about this. And again, the reason uh, that your life is is uh, in this mode is to be able to share the story and encourage others be, to be more informed. Right, exactly. I remember afterwards, like I said, this was 2011. There wasn't a lot out there for me to be able to grab onto. You know, human nature, we want camaraderie. We want someone to connect with. And I couldn't find that at the time. One of the reasons why I wrote the book is because I felt so alone, so isolated. I felt so different from everyone else. And there was no one that was around me that had any type of experience, you know, being young and having this type of medical issue happen to them. Even the support groups at the hospital, you know, they had men and women who were in their 60s and 70s, you know, they lived their lives. They weren't just getting married and just having kids and just starting a career where I was. So how could they ever understand truly what I, what I was feeling, what I was going through, the hardships and the hurdles that I would have to go through in order to continue to survive. Right. It, what was just amazing to me, but maybe it's not so um, unheard of, that after suffering this heart attack, that your feelings of uh, depression... Um, I, I guess I was thinking, oh, I survived. I should be grateful for this. Not meaning so, but you were feeling this despondency. And actually, it, it was enlightening to me then as to why that might happen. And that was a big part of, of your journey is to, what you learned from that and, and what it means, particularly, I think, for Black women, maybe for other cultures as well, but certainly because it happens more frequently, correct, in correct. the Black community. Correct. So in general, cardiac-related issues after pregnancy are very prevalent within minority populations. Um, We have a tendency, I believe it's three to four times more likely to experience cardiac related issues after pregnancy and die from it. Um, So yeah, I mean, it's something that truly needs to be talked about. Maternal health in general in the United States is Our maternal mortality rate is higher than any other developed nation, which is a shame. This means that children, families are losing mothers who are in their prime giving birth. How can we continue as a society with those types of statistics, you know? Um, And as a Black woman, a lot of times you find, or I have found, that because of my race, there's a bias there's this tendency to think that, you know, Black women or Hispanic women are loud and they're dramatic. Um, and that's not necessarily the case. Um, so, you know, I fight for those who can't fight for themselves. If I were a more timid woman, I wouldn't be sitting here with you today because I would have left that ER. I would have gone home. I would have probably just taken an ibuprofen or something and said, 
I'll be fine in the morning and I wouldn't have woken up. Right. Oh, yes. And that's why this education is so critical. And, and I'm grateful to you for, for speaking up, for using the platform of a book, being um, having your, your website so that people can connect and learn and that you keep moving forward and advocating. Yes. I mean, it's like you said, you wouldn't have think that, you know, I would go into a depression, but really you have to grieve your old self. Yeah. You're no longer that person because now you have a new normal that you have to get used to. You have certain things that you might not be able to do any longer and you have to consider more health risk issues um, for your future, for your family's future. You know, I had two young boys and at the time I wasn't able to pick up my newborn son. Right. I couldn't lift anything more than 10 pounds. Well, when I gave birth to him, he was eight pounds, 13 ounces. <laughs> By the time two weeks passed, he was already at 11, 12 you know, pounds. Right. So, and it was very, very critical that I follow the guidelines put forth to me because you don't know what can happen. And that whole notion of, oh, it happened when I was at my happiest moment. I was mm. with friends. I was out. I was laughing. Um, so that kind of runs through your mind and it just kind of sits like a, like a hamster on a hamster wheel yes. because you just keep thinking it can happen again. It can happen again. It doesn't matter where I am. It can happen again. Mm. Yes. Oh, that is such a challenging, more than challenging space to be in. To not sh you don't know if you should walk out the door because what might you encounter? Is it safe? Oh, it does make sense, you know, given then the whole picture. So, again, that's part of the story that's so critical to tell, let someone else know yeah, what you're experiencing. Yes, totally to be expected. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, as women, we have a tendency to want to do everything. Mm. And I was a very independent. I'm the oldest child. Um, I'm the only girl. So, you know, I was kind of raised to be this independent woman. I come from a long line of independent women. And then I was suddenly put in a position where I, I had to depend on others. And that wasn't a position that I was used to being in. Mm -hmm. That wasn't a position that I wanted to be in. You know, I wanted to take care to take care of things, including myself. And now I couldn't. Um, so a lot of that people don't realize and recognize that after you have some sort of medical issue, it doesn't necessarily have to be a heart attack. Um, it could be cancer. It could be, you know, any anything else, any sort of medical related issue. There is a point in time in which you have to grieve yourself. There's a point in time which you have to accept the fact that you need help. Um, women have a tendency to feel like they're a burden on other people, which is a fallacy because our family and friends want to help us. They want to see us better. Uh, so we have to, you know, work better at not um, spreading ourselves too thin and giving ourselves grace, give ourselves grace because we are human. We are not super women. <laughs> you know, that super woman syndrome, I can take it, take on it all. I can have it all. Um, it takes a village. And there's a reason why 
they say it takes a village. It's not just to raise children, it's to help each other as well. Yes. Community is so critically important. And uh, and as you said, though, for you to open yourself up to that, so you still had another hurdle to overcome, is to be that accepting. Yes, yes. Um, it's taken me many, many years before I was really comfortable in my truth because I had to, first I had to accept that what happened to me actually happened, mm-hmm. that I was vulnerable, that um, there's nothing that I could have done to prevent it. Uh, so in order to accept, you have to learn how to love yourself. And that was a long process because for a long time, I felt that my body betrayed me. Mm-hmm. There was like the sense of just anger and I was angry with God. I was angry with myself. That was a very long journey. Eventually, you know, you come out the other side. And for me, it was the notion that so many others passed away before me. They didn't have the second chance that I have. So I had to do something. And then I turned my whole um, thought process from you know, why did this happen to me to, I survived, now what? What do I do with this? You know, I can't just sit back and let life happen before me. I have to act. I went back to school for my nursing degree. Um, I graduated valedictorian of my class. I was still, you know, the first year I was in heart failure and I kept that to myself. (laughs) (laughs) Just because I had, you know, this, drive, this passion, I felt that, well, if I can't predict what's going to happen to me tomorrow, I'm going to do what I can today. I'm going to do everything I can so that my children are left with some sort of legacy because it can be taken away. Life can be taken away the following day. And I don't want to leave this earth without my children seeing how I fought, without my family you know, seeing what I did to try to push through to and survive. Right. Oh, I'm in awe of your survival <laughs> and, you know, your your determination and and sharing the stories so that we see the, you know, the ebb and the flow and the ups and the downs that you go through and to see the statistics of how many people, how many women particularly die from a heart condition that they don't even know that this is going on? Right. Unfortunately, cardiovascular disease is the number one killer of women. And that's including all cancers combined. It kills more people or more women than all cancers combined. I mean, that is, that is a hard pill to swallow. And it's the number one killer of new moms. And I mean, it's still so shocking, still so shocking. And yet 48% of women who have heart disease don't know that they have it. They don't even know that they're walking around with it. Yes, exactly. And that's where this is such an important awareness because we think of it, oh, it's an old people's disease. And, but no, you know, at 31, you suffered this major heart attack and, 
and other women do too. And and the balance is skewed in that it's minority women who suffer from that more so, correct? So with SCAD in general, um, more white women are affected by SCAD. But when it comes to cardiovascular diseases, minorities are definitely more affected than white women. So it just depends on specifically what you're speaking about. Mm. Uh, But I mean, overall, it's a shame to lose one to anything, you know? Um, And as for me, I believe as far as minority populations are concerned, we don't necessarily talk about our medical family history. Now that wouldn't have made a difference in what happened to me. What happened to me was, um, hormonal, they believe. Uh, but in general, uh, cardiovascular diseases, uh, they occur more frequently in minority populations. So you have to know what your family history is. Um, diabetes runs in my family. I've known that since I was little. My mom <laughs> was a nurse practitioner. So she was very, both my parents were very, very adamant about raising us a certain way, raising us to make sure that we had healthy diets, um, making sure that we were always active and they always pushed that on us and they pushed education is your power, knowledge is your key. So I think writing the book, I had that in mind that I wanted to empower people with this information. And it's not just for people who had heart attacks. I think my journey um, can help anyone who's going through any, any hard time of their life. Anyone who has faced adversity, whether you're a woman, whether you're a man who has faced adversity, you know, there's different themes that run throughout it. And I'm just so grateful that my husband pushed me to write my story and to share my story. I, and I think, I dare say all of us are, uh, once we realize what the story is, to it, understand that, I, you know, here we are opening up your heart, literally, I guess, <laughs> to uh, to sharing what went on. I mean, there's such important information here to your experience that we all can embrace and that we, if it not for us personally, it might be someone else because the statistics are like so high. One in three, I think. So Yes, yeah. one in three women die. One in three. So that's a woman every 80 seconds. And yet 80% of cardiovascular diseases can be prevented just by education and lifestyle changes. So that does help. There are situations, though, which is how you ended up in your case, because you were in great shape. However, whatever it was, well, you said they think it was hormonal. How do you control that? You don't. Some of those things are totally out of our control. But what you can do is what you are doing is advocating, writing this book, making sure that there's as much information as we can possibly have. Oh, yeah. And I love to like just get across the fact that you have to listen to your body. Your body is a beautiful machine and it will let you know when something is wrong. So you have to make sure you're following up on your doctor's visits. You have to make sure that you know what your baseline is and what your body is normally. So that way, if something is wrong, 
you can use your voice to fight for your life. I have a quote that I often share in speeches or interviews. It's, you know, if they think that women are dramatic, then be dramatic. Show them what dramatic really is, because no one's going to fight harder for your life than you. And not to be afraid. This was the thing that I found painful. Your experience with the medical system, first, it was just at the first entry and eyes rolling. It feels so unacceptable. You had a really good cardiologist, but then you couldn't go back to see that same doctor because the whole insurance rigmarole stuff that goes on. You know, that sort of inequity that exists is just mind boggling. Yeah, I mean, it's really unfair. Mm -hmm. Thank goodness for the man who saved my life. He had seen one other SCAD case the year prior in his 30 plus years of being a cardiologist. So I'm grateful for him. But yes, it's unfair how insurance works. The cardiologist that I was assigned to afterwards, you know, he was just not on the same page as I was. He wanted to try to put me and your typical categories for someone with heart disease, but I wasn't fitting in those categories. You know, I would walk in and everyone in the office was twice my age and I would be looked at and gawked at because I was so young at the time. So I also like to let people know in order to advocate for yourself, you have to know that you can fire a doctor. (laughs) Yes. It's a service, just like, you know, when you go to a restaurant, you're paying for a service. And it's okay if you and your doctor don't get along, you can get a second opinion. You know, it's the practice of medicine. It's not, you know, I do this and I know everything 100%. Impossible, because there's medical breakthroughs every single day. So find yourself someone who listens to you, who's willing to go that extra mile so that the both of you, yourself and your physician can be together as partners on your healthcare team. You have to take control. Yes. See, that those are words of wisdom that are so important to hear, because I think sometimes we might have that feeling of, you know, holding the doctor in higher regard that, of course, they know the answers. But like you said, no, we have to sometimes go shopping around to find that right fit. Right. And, you know, with insurance, obviously, sometimes you're a little limited, but that's okay. Make it work for you. And that's essentially what I had to do. Um, and at the time of my heart attack, it was during, um, you know, the Obama Care Act. <laughs> and it was just one of those things where I knew that I wasn't going to qualify for any sort of insurance. So I had to go on Medicaid at the time. Um, so it was difficult because not everyone takes Medicaid. Mm-hmm. And I had to kind of navigate the waters but I did it. And, you know, it is possible. Right. And to really understand all the the innuendo and all the possibilities, I say, read this book, Sonata for a Damaged Heart. Uh, I am, like you say, you're so grateful to your husband. I'm glad he encouraged you to write it because it's reading, learning each other's stories that really, I think, edifies us and we're going to really uh, just become so much better informed. 
Yes, I hope so. And that's one of the reasons why I volunteered with the American Heart Association, um, because I found the more that I shared, the more women contacted me and said, oh my gosh, I didn't know. Thank you for sharing your story yesterday. Or, oh my gosh, I didn't know. But because you shared your story, I saw these symptoms in my mother and I told her to get checked out. Um, So I'm grateful for that. I'm so, so grateful for that. And your website is another great source. We can find out more about your book there, uh, but more about your story and, and be connected with you. Yes. So my website is called KeishaAndScad.com. Um, and I have blog posts where just, you know, random things that I go through during my life, um, you know, just like talking about the holidays or talking about the new year and how, you know, I'm focused on making sure women are not dismissed. you know, that's my goal this year to educate, to advocate and to say, don't dismiss us. Look, look at us. I'm looking. You are a beautiful woman. And I am so grateful that everything worked out as it has, that you survived. That was uh, 2011. So we here we are uh, 12 and a half years later. And you're feeling well? I'm feeling well. You know, over the last 12 and a half years, I've had my ups and downs. Nothing is ever perfect. Mm. Um, I'm not perfect. I've had my own struggles, you know, just taking care of myself and recognizing the fact that self-care is not selfish. Mm. Um, But today where I sit, I am doing great. Um, I'm loving life. I'm able to enjoy my husband and my children and my friends and my family. And I'm happy to be on this side. Well, I am so grateful to you that all that happened, you've really transformed it into being something so constructive, both for yourself, first for yourself, but also then it's helping the rest of us. Um, you, you are really someone to be admired. Again, I'm so grateful to you, Keisha Stewart. Oh, thank you so much, Kate. I really appreciate it. <laughs> That brings us to the end of a very full hour of Inspirational Women with Keisha Stewart and Sunday Morning Magazine with Barb Oliver from Sound Foundations Northwest. I'm Kate Daniels, your host, and I greatly appreciate your sharing this hour with me and these special guests. For details you might have missed or information you'd like to know, please just send me an email, kated at warm1069.com, and I will get right back to you. Also, if you'd like to listen again or to share these important stories with your family and friends, find the podcast on our Warm 1069 webpage. Just click on the Listen tab, then Podcasts, then either of the show names, and then look for the guest names. I now wish you and your family a day of reaching out and being connected to the community. Have a week of the same, and then please plan to join me again next weekend for another hour of Sunday Morning Magazine and Inspirational Women on Warm 1069. Good morning. Good morning.